0: The NBA playoffs are underway, and the games have been awesome. Will there be any upsets in the first round? The Phillies have started the season 11-12. and 12. Not the best start, especially since they have faced teams like the Miami Marlins, the Cincinnati Reds, and the Colorado Rockies. But the bats are starting to heat up, and the pitching is finally starting to come around. Spring has sprung. April showers bring May flowers. But if you are in a hurricane-prone section of the country, are you ready? Are you prepared? If not, I'll get you prepared. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the latest edition of the Philosophy Sessions podcast with Phil Washington, streaming on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Amazon. I am your host and owner of PW Digital Media Entertainment. Phil Washington, I'm coming to you from the PW Digital Media Entertainment Studios based here in Orlando, Florida, where we're finally getting some much needed rain. Speaking of rain, let me just take a moment and send my love and thoughts to my friends and fellow Floridians right down the I-95 in the Fort Lauderdale, Hollywood area of Broward County. Last week, they received in some areas close to two feet of rain just to put that into perspective during hurricanes ian and nicole here in orlando i received a a combined 24 and a half inches of rain from both of these storms they got it in a few days in what was a freak weather setup near broward and miami-dade county in florida um so once again, thoughts and prayers to everyone in South Florida. Hopefully you guys start to dry out, but after looking at the weather forecast this week, it doesn't look like that's going to happen. Um, as always, doesn't matter what platform you listen to me on, it's always an honor and a blessing to just have a few moments of your time, and I deeply appreciate it. Listen, I've been trying to get this episode out for days, schedule, Things that I've been trying to get done um, has, hit, has hindered me from trying to produce this episode. So I'm trying to get this going and out the way so that you guys have something to listen to for at least the next couple days. The NBA, uh, sorry, NFL Draft is coming up uh, Thursday. Don't know if I'm going to do. I might do like a little wrap up, especially to what Philadelphia Eagles may potentially do. Um, They do have the number 10 and number 30 overall pick in the first round. So I may do something, but I'm not 100% sure. It just depends on what the schedule has for me this upcoming week. In any case, the NBA playoffs, the first round is underway. Let's check out the West because the Western Conference has has been unpredictable. Except for this first match right here. The number one seed in the West Denver, Denver Nuggets going up against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Now, currently the Nuggets are up three games to one. Um, this is not surprising at all. Um, before... This series started, I wrote down some notes, and I said that if Denver had faced the Minnesota Timberwolves, it would go to five games. Right now, that still looks to be true, but after what Anthony Edwards did last night, it wouldn't surprise me if Minnesota gets one more. Uh, Will they? Maybe. Do I think it's going to happen? No. The Timberwolves are still immature, and they're only going to get in their own way. Denver, they should be able, I mean, they're going to get through this series with no problem. A team with Nikola Jokic, Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon has just been balling ever since he left Orlando. I'm sorry, when he was with the Magic, the only thing he would do would be, let's see, dribble, dribble, dunk. Dribble, dunk, maybe a three. Dribble, dribble, dunk, maybe a three. Aaron Gordon has become one of those perennial shooters. Now he's he, his game has been taken to another level with Denver, and I'm so happy for him. I, I really am happy for him. Michael Porter Jr., Jamal Murray, welcome back. It's about time we get to see this this version of Jamal Murray that, that that elite defender shooter just all around all-star player that the Denver Nuggets need to be paired with Jokic to I mean to be the number 1 seed in the west which is pretty incredible despite the fact that you got Memphis and the Lakers and the Phoenix Suns and the Clippers all those teams So, I still got the Nuggets in five. Wouldn't surprise me if Minnesota goes to six, but I still got the Nuggets in five. Memphis, the number two seed going up against LeBron, Anthony Davis, and the Los Angeles Lakers, the number seven seed. Before this series even started, I said this was going to be very entertaining, and it has been. Uh... (laughs) the Memphis Grizzlies before the season even started I had had Memphis coming out of the West I really did have Memphis come out the West this team was young gritty scrappy and with Ja Morant on that team Ja kind of reminds me Kind of reminds me of AI. He can shoot from anywhere. He's a playmaker. He's pretty much the engine that runs the Memphis Grizzlies. That seems awesome. But right now, with Jao being hurt, and this is nothing against Against Desmond Bain Jaron Jackson Jr. And even Dylan Brooks It's like Right now They're doing a lot of And it's not It's not It's not the entire team We all know It's, it's one player Dylan Brooks Sometimes I wish Dylan would back up the words that he says because he's not helping his team right now. Memphis currently is down to the Lakers two games to one. I mean, at one point in game three, the Lakers outscored the Grizzlies uh, in the first quarter. God, it was either 32 to 9 or 35 to 9. It was bad. It was bad at one, but at one point. Ja. Cut the lead all the way back, I think, to about 8. But it just wasn't enough. It just wasn't enough. And I said it here in the preview. I was go- like I said, I was going to do this podcast days ago, but I just couldn't do it. I said it here in my preview. The problem with Memphis is that they like to talk. Most of the time, they've backed it up, and that was during the regular season. But now that you got to do it against LeBron, Anthony Davis, and that Laker crew to be hard it's gonna be hard I said John Morant needed to be flawless and he's beside being hurt I mean he's done that the the final quarter in game three Jahl pretty much put the team on his back and he all he almost brought it back to a win but I mean like I said they got it back to either eight or ten but it just wasn't enough And even Josh said, the, pretty much the entire team said, we want this match. We want this matchup. And you got it. You guys got to bring it. They, Memphis has to win. They have to win game four. Because if they don't, it's over. I'm sorry. It's over. The Lakers will go on. Unless Anthony Davis gets hurt. And we've, all re- we've seen LeBron, whether he gets hit in the nuts again. AD, every time he goes down, it's like you got to hold your breath. D'Angelo Russell needs to be that third option. Or is it going to be Austin Reeves? And Austin's had a pretty good series. I picked Memphis to win this in six. But I also did say that if it goes to seven, give me the Lakers. LeBron ain't going down without a fight. And we're seeing it. Then we got the Sacramento Kings, the number three seed in the West, going up against the Golden State Warriors. And as of last night, Golden State has tied up the series at 2-2. What I said in the preview, what I wrote down was that the Kings, they literally came out of nowhere to become the number three seed in the West. They have a great nucleus in Sabonis, De'Aaron Fox, Kevin Herter, and Malik Monk. I thought the Kings were a year ahead of schedule. They were just a matter of time before they exploded onto the scene. Now, here's the thing with the, with the Kings. They haven't reached the playoffs since 2005. How have they responded? They've responded well at home. They have protected home court. They have lit the beam two times so far. Golden 1 Center, I'll tell you what, people in Sacramento, they are just so happy to have a basketball team again. And then you have the Golden State Warriors, Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, who just can't seem to stay out of trouble. And the rest of the crew, Dante, DiVincenzo, uh, who else is on that team? Gary Payton Jr., Uh, you know, the crew, the whole crew. This game is probably going to go seven. Keep in mind, if it does go seven, it's being played in Sacramento. So if Golden State wants to advance, they have to win one away. They have to win a game at the Chase Center. And Golden State has not been a good away team this year. They haven't. And if I said Chase Center, I'm sorry. Golden State has to win one at the Golden One Center. I think it's going seven. It's going to be a fight. It literally is going to be a fight. It's going to be a shootout, too. Give me Golden State in seven. And then we wrap up the West with the Phoenix Suns and the Los Angeles Clippers. Now, every year, it just seems that the Clippers just run into problems, whether it's injury or what not. They just can't. Before the season starts, you always have to mention the Clippers as a, as a championship contender. You have to. Kawhi Leonard. Paul George. Those two alone should be able to guide this team at least to the conference finals. Here's the problem They've been hurt Paul George I think is still out right now Kawhi now is out Um, But This is Russell Westbrook's time to shine And he's running the show Well Russ can't do it by himself And the other problem is The Phoenix Suns And the Suns have Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and oh yeah, they traded for Kevin Durant. And the three of them have been, with the exception of game one, practically flawless in getting these wins. Suns are up three to one. I can, if Kawhi doesn't play in game five and if Paul George is still out, I mean, Russ is going to have to, he's going to, he needs help. I don't know where he's going to get it from, but Russ is probably going to have to go off for about 50. And even then, that still may not be enough. One of the three of the Suns. They're going to have to have a bad shooting game. Chris Paul, KD, Devin Booker, one of those three. I mean, I got the, the Suns in five. I think Phoenix gets it done. I think they get it done. And it sucks for the Clippers. It really does. Head coach Ty Lue, he doesn't deserve this. The owner, Steve Ballmer, he doesn't deserve this. Clippers fans don't deserve this. I don't know. I don't know. All right, let's take a look at the East. So things are interesting right now in the East. Um, The number one seed in the East the Milwaukee Bucks, they are currently down. They're down to the number eight seed, Miami Heat. Two games to one, Uh, Giannis got injured um, in game one. And Miami has taken full control of the situation with their defense. Their defense has actually stepped up, even though Miami did lose Tyler Hero, I believe, to a broken hand. Um, So this match is going to be interesting. Would not surprise me one bit if Miami does win this series because the Bucks they do need Giannis, but with Drew Holiday and the rest of that crew, you would think they should be able to beat the Heat, but Miami has just been outplaying them. So it, like I said, it wouldn't surprise me one bit if Miami takes out Giannis, especially if Giannis doesn't come back for the series. The number two seed, Boston Celtics, currently have a 3-1 lead over the seven seed, Atlanta Hawks. Uh, This is not surprising. Boston, I believe, out of all the teams in the East, I'd even... Go as far as to say the entire NBA. The Boston Celtics are probably the most complete team in the entire NBA, and definitely the Eastern Conference. Um, of course they have one they have one little slip up in Atlanta in game three. Trey Young, uh Deontay Murray, DeAndre Hunter. They had a good game, game three, but Boston came back last night. I think they were up by 12. And they took out Atlanta. So I can see I can see Boston getting the win. Uh there's I mean they're they're going back to Boston. Yeah, I think it's done. I think it's done. I think they get it done in five. I think it's over in five. It's hard to beat it's hard to beat Boston uh in the garden. So now if the Hawks find a way to win then that makes things a little bit more interesting, especially if they come back to Atlanta for Game 6. That can make things interesting. But for me personally, as a Sixers fan, I would love to see the Boston series go a little bit longer, especially since the big man, Joel Embiid, is a little hurt right now. And we've heard this before every damn year we've heard this before especially in the first round joel Embiid hurt goes down every time he goes down to the floor it's like oh my lord oh god get up it's like get up you are all right but this time it's the knee it's a sprained knee and officials are saying he needs at least a week now this is going back To Friday, Saturday. He didn't play in game four, but we didn't need him. Sixers went ahead and dispatched the Brooklyn Nets in four straight games. We swept them, thankfully. Um, Which gives the Sixers rest to get ready for, more than likely, the Boston Celtics, who have been our kryptonite for many, many years. Many, 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 many years. Many years. James Harden, he's doing his thing. Tyrese Maxey has been showing out. Tobias Harris has showed up to play. We finally get to see what playoff P.J. Tucker is all about, and he has been awesome. We pay him $10 million a year just to make it healthy throughout the season and then for him to finally go out and go all out in the playoffs. So we're finally saying, finally seeing playoff P.J., which is awesome to see. Um, get to see a breakout star in Paul Reed as our backup center since – Uh, Joel Embiid is out. It's good to see B-ball Paul doing his thing on the court. Hopefully, this is the year where if we do face Boston, we can actually (laughs) beat them and get to the Eastern Conference Final. Um, If that happens, it's going to be in six or seven games because Boston, like I said, they are quite possibly the most complete team in the entire league. So That's going to be a fun series to watch. And then the last game or the last series in the East. uh, Cleveland Cavaliers currently down three games to one to the New York Knicks. A little surprising, especially since the Cavaliers have been held under 100 points three of the last four games. Um... Donovan Mitchell needs to show up. He hasn't really showed up. And he's not helping his team right now because the New York Knicks, they are they are defending like crazy. Um, Jalen Brunson has been awesome with the exception of Game 4. Julius Randle has been good, even though he did get benched. I believe it was either halfway or in the final quarter of Game 4. Um I like the Knicks. I really do. And they're hard to beat at uh, Madison Square Garden. I know a couple Knicks fans that are very happy right now. Spike Lee, Stephen A. Smith. Orange and blue skies, baby. Orange and blue skies. It's a little shocking from Cleveland, though, because I thought Cleveland did at one point possess one of the highest offenses and one of the best defenses in the, in the entire league. And right now, they're getting their tails handed to them by the New York Knicks, by this young team. Jalen Bronson, Julius Randle, Josh Hart, R.J. Barrett. I could, Cleveland, I could see Cleveland winning game five and then... They're going to have to put up a hell of a performance in, in Game Six to bring bring it back to uh, uh, Quicken Loans or whatever the uh, arena is in Cleveland for Game Seven. It's going be, it's a tall task, but before anything, they have to win Game Five. I could see the Knicks winning in Six, but I would just love to see. Uh, I'd love to see it go to Seven. I really would. So, ladies and gentlemen, that has been your NBA first round playoff recap so far. Um, What we're going to do, let's go ahead, let's take a little bit of a break. When we get back, I'll dig into the Phillies a little bit. Um, And then we will go over some... Hurricane preparedness because it's we're almost into May, so it's it's pretty much time to start thinking about uh, getting prepared for storm season, especially down here in the South. All right, we will be right back. This has been the Philosophy Sessions podcast with Phil Washington. We'll be right back right after this. Don't go anywhere, ladies and gentlemen you love good music you love listening to good vocals are you a fan of nbc's the voice then do me a favor join hosts stephanie and james as they break down each contestant's voice and overall performance from each week's episode they keep it 100 and voice their opinions with love kindness and respect you can follow the pitchy podcast on instagram at the pitchy podcast spelled t-h-e p-i-t-c-h-y p-o-d-c-a-s-t you can also subscribe to their podcast on youtube and on your favorite podcast platform all right and we're back philosophy sessions podcast with phil washington we are back and we're going to talk a little bit of baseball we'll do a little baseball um, if I were to do this podcast last week, I would be borderline saying that the Philadelphia Phillies would be in panic mode. Does that thing at one point we were five and ten or five and nine? But, it's early into the season. We're still trying to figure things out. Mind you, this team does not have Bryce Harper. Which, I'm hearing reports that he could be back as early as within the next couple of weeks. Which is... Pretty amazing coming from uh, Tommy John surgery and we lost Reese Hoskins uh, believe torn ACL and he's pretty much done for the year so we won't see him we won't have him which sucks because he was one of the leaders in the clubhouse and this was his last year under contract with the Philadelphia Phillies. So with that being said, it sucks. But through it all, just getting through the series at home with the Colorado Rockies, uh, we got three out of four from them, which now moves the Phillies' record up to 11-12, and 12, which they currently sit uh, in fourth. In the National League East, behind the Miami Marlins, 12-10. and 10, The New York Mets at 14-9. and nine, And uh, the Atlanta Braves, who have surprisingly lost four straight. But who did they play? Oh yeah, that's right. They got their ass whooped by the Houston Astros. So the Astros are starting to heat up. But before we get to all of that, Let's try and figure out why the Phillies are 11 and 12. Because with the talent that we have on this team, we should be a lot better than 11 and 12. I would think we would be. Let's see, we've played 23 games. We should be 15 and 8. 16 and 7, especially with the teams that we've faced already. But if you look at the stats, if you look at the team stats, Phillies currently are third in batting average, they're first in the entire league in hits. They are 6th in on-base percentage, 3rd in slugging and 6th in strikeouts. But how are we 11 and 12 when we have all of those good offensive qualities? Oh. There's pitching. Yeah, our team ERA is 4.82, which is good for 22nd in the league. We have 88 walks, which puts us at 24th. The opponent's batting average against us is 248, which is 18th. And the amount of runs that we have let teams score on us is 114th, which puts us at 20. What is that? 22nd? 24th? 28th? Hold on. What is that? Let me just double check that. Let's see. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. I just had it. I just had it. just had it. Hang on. Uh, 24th. Sorry. 24th that's why we're 11-12 and 12. that's why we got swept by the Texas Rangers that's why the Cincinnati Reds put a beating on us which that still shocks me that we couldn't get through a team like the Cincinnati Reds now the Miami Marlins Miami has always played very very hard against us So, I can see that. I can see why they're having a pretty decent start right now. Ain't it it funny? Hold on. Ain't it funny how teams with these low payrolls are doing very, very well? For example, the Tampa Bay Rays, the team that is closest to me down here in the Orlando area, the Tampa Bay Rays. I think at one point they started the season 11 and0. They're 19 and three right now. They have won five straight games, seven of their last 10. I think their payroll equals the amount that Bryce, Trey, Schwarber, and maybe Zach Wheeler are getting paid this year. Which is crazy, but Tampa Tampa's good. Tampa's really good. But now let's let's look at their division. If you look at the division, the American League East, the Rays are 19 and 3. The Baltimore Orioles, remember how good they came on strong? Uh, at the end of last year, they're 14 and 7. They're four and a half games back of Tampa, and they have won six straight, eight of their last 10. New York Yankees, 13 and 9. They're six games back. It's still early. I would expect the Yankees and the Rays to be right there. Uh, another team that I expect to make some noise a little bit later on once we get into the summer. The Toronto Blue Jays. Toronto has a lot of firepower and some really good pitching. They're 13-9. and nine. And then Boston Red Sox, they're 12-11. So everybody in the AL East is above 500. That's pretty interesting. We look at the AL Central, the Minnesota Twins, 12-10. and 10. They lead the division by a game over the Cleveland Guardians. I almost said Cleveland Indians. Um then uh, i mean detroit chicago kansas city they're just not good not good at all you look at the american league west here's i knew texas was going to be better but through 21 games i didn't think they were going to be 14 and 7 uh houston astros the reigning defending World Series champions beating the Philadelphia Phillies in six. They're twelve and ten, but like I said, they just swept the Atlanta Braves, so they're twelve and ten now, and they're only they're two and a half back of Texas. The LA Angels of Anaheim they are sitting at five hundred eleven and eleven. I mean, you got you got Shohei Ohtani. And Mike Trout. And you're 500. So. I don't know. I expect them to be better. I expect Seattle to be a lot better than what they are right now. Seattle's 10-12. Uh, and 12, Four and a half back of the Rangers. Like I said, it's early. And I'm not even going to discuss the athletics, even though it looks like they're going to be moving to Las Vegas here very soon, so that's another Oakland team being relocated to Las Vegas. Uh, least I already touched on this a bit. Uh, the Braves, 14 and eight. They've lost four straight, so that's interesting. The Mets, 14 and nine. The Miami Marlins, scrappy team, 12 and 10. The Philadelphia Phillies, 11 and 12. And the Washington Nationals are just terrible. The NL Central, the Milwaukee Brewers are 15 and seven. Uh they are sitting half game up on the Pittsburgh Pirates. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's good. They're 16 and 7. Uh Pittsburgh has won seven straight, which is interesting. Chicago Cubs, 12 and 9. They're three games back. Um. Hold on. Sorry. Uh wait. How are the, wait hold on? How are the Brewers fifteen and seven? And they're ha- how are they a half game back? They, I don't know. Listen, I'm I'm reading the standings right off Bleacher Report, so I I don't get it. You you would think the Pirates would have at least a half game advantage, but I I don't know. Uh, St. Louis Cardinals. Here's the thing about St. Louis. They're nine and thirteen. They're six and a half back, but it's St. Louis. Watch them, especially during the summer. St. Louis, I think they're going to be there in the end. Um, and then Cincinnati, we know how bad they are, but they like facing the Phillies. NL West, uh, Diamond ba- <laughs> the Diamondbacks are leading the division at twelve and eleven. Uh, tied with the Dodgers. The Dodgers are also 12-11. and 11. The Padres, 12-12. The San Francisco Giants, 8-13. I thought they'd be a little bit better in that. And then the Colorado Rockies, they lost they lost uh, three straight, especially the last three against Philadelphia. They are sitting at 6-17. So, you know, looking at this, Tampa, we'll see how long this lasts. Balt, Baltimore Orioles, fourteen and seven. We'll see how long that lasts before they come crashing back to reality. I'm watching the Yankees. I'm definitely watching the Blue Jays. Um, Central, I think, I think the Twins, Twins get it done. The AL West is interesting. Take, I'm not sold on the Angels. I'm not, but the range. The Rangers, the Astros, and the Mariners, they're going to be right there. And then the NL East, obviously, I think it's going to come down to the big three. Atlanta, New York, and Philadelphia. This uh, Miami's going to make it interesting for a long time. Central, uh, Brewers, who knows how long the Pirates are going to be. I'm watching the Cardinals, Cubs, and not sold on. And then out West, I mean, Padres and Dodgers, to be honest with you. So that is your... Baseball breakdown. All right. And now to the main meat of what I wanted this whole podcast to be about. It is storm season. And, you know, we... I mean, literally, as soon as the calendar turned into March, we've had... We've had atmospheric rivers. We've had tornado outbreaks, we've had severe thunderstorms, we've had floods, we've had straight-line winds, we've had storms all across the country, but now we're starting to get into that time of year, especially down here in the south, and I would even include all the way up the eastern seaboard that we need to start getting ready for hurricane season. It is about that time. And so my question to you, if, hypothetically, a category three hurricane was heading your way, and it was gonna make landfall within 72 hours, so within three days, are you prepared to ride out the storm? Would you be prepared? That is my question to you. I can tell you for myself, you know, I've been living down here since August 2009 and I've always wondered what it was going to be like riding out a hurricane. The first first real one was uh, about 6 years ago and that was Hurricane Irma, but even before that there were many many close calls. I want to say it was 2010 or 2011. We had superstorm Sandy where it it missed it missed the Florida coast, the East Coast by maybe 200 miles, but then it went up the East Coast, it went out over the Atlantic and then came back in over uh southern new jersey and pretty much did a number on the beaches in delaware new jersey new york um even some portions of massachusetts and then we've had other hurricanes that have they've hit the state of florida but they have not hit They haven't. They didn't make immediate impacts within the Orlando metro, Central Florida, East Central Florida, in general, um, and we could be talking about Hurricane Hermine, Hurricane Michael that damn that damn near took out a beach in the Florida Panhandle. The first real close call for us, or for me, here in East Central Florida, we got to go to 2016, and that was Hurricane Matthew. If I remember correctly, Hurricane Matthew, I believe, was a Category 4 with winds of 140 miles per hour, and it was just skirting the Atlantic coast of Florida the edge of the storm now we we got rain bands here in orlando and as far west as tampa but we got rain bands here but the wind the the hurricane the hurricane force winds and i think there were only like maybe category 1 it battered the immediate atlantic atlantic coast so pretty much from i would say indian river county all the way up through uh, jacksonville and going up the coast of uh, georgia south carolina north carolina a lot of beach erosion a lot of damage to the beaches there but we got lucky but that was the that was the one close call the alarms really started to go off the very next year and that was Hurricane Irma. So Irma was the first, was my first real hurricane. And I can remember five days out, five days out when the local media, they were really, you know, telling us, hey, this has a really good shot of hitting the Florida Peninsula, right? So I remember, man, I remember heading to the Walmart neighborhood market, you know, get some, get some bottled water uh, and get some other things, get some snacks and stuff, bread canned goods, perishables, stuff like that. I pull up to the parking lot. You would think that it was Black Friday. You would have thought everything was on sale. I go in and the only water that was available was the expensive kind perrier fiji you know the rich water the bread isle was damn near out ships were gone I can't remember what I got. I might have gotten batteries. I, I might have gotten batteries and a few other things, but. But leading up to that storm, I would say. Now, luckily, I went back a couple of days later. I was able to get. Matter of fact, I think it was. um. Was it two days later? I think two days later. I went across the street from me and we have a walmart uh super center and they were pulling out just in the nick of time uh these big gallon jugs of purified water and they were limiting it to two per customer i was able to get two thank god with bread other snacks um and other things that you know would They'll you know, get me through because at this time Irma was a category four and it looked like it was gonna make it looked like it was gonna make landfall on the east coast so a couple days out the weather forecasters had Irma making landfall somewhere around like Miami and then it went to key west and then it was going out into the gulf and then it was coming back east like you it they didn't know what it was going to happen they didn't know what was going to happen finally about 24 36 hours out you start to see the storm the storm misses hispaniola and it misses cuba it like rides the northern coast of Cuba and then after that you see one of the final projections where it takes it over to Keys and makes landfall somewhere around like the Naples area which is exactly what happened but the problem was that when people were evacuating people that thought that the storm was coming in on the Tampa side came over to the east coast to you know, evacuate from any potential storm surge. Then when they said it was going to hit the East Coast, people started moving back out West. Eventually, a lot of people just honed in on right up and down the I-4 corridor, right up and down Central Florida. I know a lot of people stayed in the Orlando area during Irma and... Ironically, the storm made landfall right around Naples and ran up, I want to say just east of I-75. And by the time the storm got here, it was a low-end Category 2. And I think it was around 90 miles per hour. Now, from where I am, I believe I was about 40 40 miles east of the eye. And there were a few times overnight. So the storm came in. I want to say it made landfall in Naples like Late morning, early afternoon, like 11, 12 o'clock By the time the storm got up here It was about seven thirty, eight o'clock at night I remember posting on Facebook in, uh, Another update about what was going on with the storm Literally fifteen minutes after I posted, I lost power. And all of I looked outside, pitch black. Couldn't see anything. All you could hear was the wind and the rain. From the hours of I'm going to say from 12, from 1230, maybe one o'clock. Between 1230, one o'clock, all the way up to two two thirty, You had, I, I, I'm going to call it that oh shit moment where the winds were beating up against my windows. Now my windows face west and the storm was coming in from. The south. Going directly north. So any wind that I'm getting. Is coming in from. Like the southeast. But I'm still getting hit. There was one point. Where I thought. Something was. Going to come through my window. So. I ended up. Sheltering in my. Walk-in closet. For about three, four hours listening to coverage on um, our local NBC affiliate, West 2 News. Tony Manoffey, that whole crew from West did a great job that night. Then about four four thirty I came out. The storm had moved north. I could still hear the wind and laid in bed. I actually went to sleep. I woke up maybe three hours later. It might have been like 7, 7.30. I didn't have a cell signal. By nine thirty, ten o'clock. The storm was completely gone, not completely gone, but the wind was still there. The wind was probably 20, 25 miles per hour coming out of the South blue skies. I decided to go outside, take a little walk just to check out the damage. I literally had to go. I I went a hundred feet from my house to get a cell signal that's crazy I couldn't get anything here in my house but I had to go a hundred feet out to get any kind of cell signal now did I feel like I was fully prepared for Irma I thought I was Um But it was a good it was a good lesson, especially after the double hurricanes that we got last year. So last year, uh, we had Hurricane Ian, which came in it was a like middle September. Hurricane Ian came in around uh, Southwest Florida literally rode under I-4, came through like Polk, Osceola County. It came in directly under me, which kept me on the dirty side, which is the northeast quadrant of the storm. So for hours on end, it was just tornado warning after tornado warning. But the thing that was interesting about Ian was that when Ian crossed under me, under Orlando, and then came out, right around Daytona Beach, what people don't realize is that there was a cold front that was just south of Jacksonville, and it was trying to slide south. But it was stalled. So what it ended up doing was, you take all the moisture that Hurricane Ian had, and as the storm is trying to move north, it actually got stuck just north of Daytona, and it was feeding off of the cold air and the extra moisture that was coming in from the uh, cold front from up north. And it was sending multiple rounds of just heavy, heavy rain down the east side of I-4, so eastern Volusia, all of Brevard, central and eastern Seminole County, uh, Central and Eastern, Orange and Osceola County. The highest wind gust I got from Ian, it was close to about 70, 70 miles per hour. But it was the rain. I've never seen that much rain fall in one event. Just in that one day alone, I had gotten about 16, I think it was f- between 15 and a half and 16 inches of rain. But throughout the two to three day event leading up to it, throughout the entire, the entire storm, two to three days, I think I got close to 20 inches. I have a lake that from my patio is no more than about 15, 20 feet from the patio door. At the peak, the water levels of the lake came within five feet. So that gives you an idea of how much water we had. Um, Areas around the University of Central Florida got flooded. You had... You had entire communities underwater. It, it, it was absolutely crazy. Like it was insane. If we're talking the most damaging hurricane that I've had to endure, I think Ian was it. Only because of the amount of uh, flood damage. Now, surprisingly, surprisingly enough with Ian, I did not lose power one time the the power flickered three times throughout the entire storm it flickered three times but i never lost power then you fast forward about seven weeks later and in november we get a category one hurricane named nicole nicole comes in off the east coast like i said category one and ironically enough, with Nicole, I lose power. We only get, I think I got nine, maybe nine and a half inches during that hurricane. Wind, the wind gust. We were about 65. I think we're about 65. Between 60 and 65 miles per hour officially. Not that much flooding. I mean, there was flooding, but like I said, it wasn't as much as Hurricane Ian. But as we go through... As I went through each hurricane, you learn a little bit more about you know, getting prepared, what to do, where to go. Luckily enough, I, I live in an area of central Florida where I think by the time a hurricane gets here, It's not going to be strong enough to where I'm going to have to evacuate. And that's the one thing about living almost right dead smack in the middle of central Florida, especially the Orlando area. Because by the time the storm gets here, it's probably going to be at the most, if it's a Category 5, by the time it gets here, it's probably going to be a low-end Category 3 to a Category 2. And we got, like I said, we got lucky with Matthew we escaped one with uh Irma even though Irma was a wake up call there's another hurricane that I didn't I didn't mention and this one was almost like Matthew but it stayed it stayed off the coast because if this hurricane had hit us it was going to be I thought it was going to be pretty bad and that was hurricane Dorian that's the one that dropped endless amounts of rain and when it was a category, I believe it was a category five, either either a strong category four or strong, or a category five over the Bahamas, and it stayed over the Bahamas for like three days straight. It didn't move, it just didn't move, and then when it did, it came. It was inching closer and closer to Central Florida, but luckily we escaped that. So. I say all of that to say this, are you prepared? Me personally, if I knew that a hurricane was coming in three days, what am I prepared right now? No, I'm not. I would need a few more things. But just some some ideas Um, just to get ready for a hurricane. Pay attention to the media. Now, I know everybody has different sources of where they get their media from, where where they get their news. Find your trusted source. For me, it's always been the National Hurricane Center, your local office of the National Weather Service. So for down here in Orlando, it's Melbourne. And then your local media. Well, North, when I used to live outside of Philadelphia, it would always be um 6 ABC or Channel 6 Action News. Cecily Tynon, Cecily Tynan, Adam Joseph, they know your they know their stuff. They're good. Down here for me, I mentioned it earlier. It's um it's Wesh, it's our local NBC affiliate, channel two. My personal favorite meteorologist is Eric Burris. And then you got Tony Minofi. And then I know a lot of people that have been living here in Central Florida for a long, long, long time. When they went through that 2004 Hurricane Barrage with Charlie, Francis, and Gene. Their dude is uh, from WFTV, Channel 9, Eyewitness News, uh, Tom Terry. They they love them. Sometimes and Tom's good. I've watched Tom, I've watched Tom George Walden, Waldenberger, and all the others over at WFTV. They're good, but I like West a little bit more. Like I said, everybody has their own favorite trusted media. Listen to your media. Listen to what they say. Um, gas up your vehicle, because you, you may never know. If, you loo- if, they lo- if your area loses power, you can't get gas. So, it, especially now if you have to evacuate, you want to make sure you have enough gas to get wherever you need to go. Food shopping. If you have enough time, go grab some perishable foods, water, drinks, and snacks. You're going to need that to last at least, let say, about three days. In most cases, if you do lose power or if you go through a storm, normally a hurricane doesn't last any more than maybe like the like the bulk of it will last maybe about 12 to 18 hours. If you get a Hurricane Harvey situation out in Houston where it dumps 50 some odd inches and the storm stays there for three days, that's a different story. But we're talking about a normal speed hurricane You need something that's going to last about three days. Um, And also if you lose power. Speaking of losing power, uh, you might want to invest into getting candles, uh, flashlights, and if you have the luxury of getting a generator or having a generator, good on you. And you might want to gas up the generator too, obviously. Uh, battery or solar powered radio if you lose power one of the only things that's still going to be working is uh, radio so you can go ahead and listen to your whatever your favorite radio station is I'm pretty sure they're going to be simulcasting um, a news agency's um, live broadcast and keep you guys up to date like down here in Orlando, um, what is it? Magic 1077 will cover uh, Wesh, but our news radio is uh, WDBO. And up north in Philly, I know it's uh, KYW news radio with 1060. Uh, fill your tub up with water. Why? Well, just in case you need to uh, use the restroom, you can use that that water to flush. You can also use that water to go ahead and clean yourself, just in case uh, you lose water access for a little bit. You can also use it to cook. Um, Get a cooler, get some ice. In case you lose power, you can stock up your uh, food that is frozen and put it in your cooler with ice. That way it can last a little bit longer so that you don't, it doesn't have to go to waste. Uh, Charge up your mobile devices. And I would strongly suggest that everybody that is listening, everybody that is under the sound of my voice, you might want to go ahead and grab yourself some battery packs. Multiple. Everybody Everybody has a smartphone. Everybody has an iPad. Some sort of computer. Laptop. Battery packs are huge. And I would say a couple days prior, charge every single one of them up. More importantly, charge up your battery packs. That way you can have access to your mobile devices. That way, in case you need to call, get in touch with somebody, let people know that you're okay. Or, you know, go ahead and listen to your uh, local media trusted source. stuff like that um take out some extra cash power goes out you know you know damn well the ATMs are not gonna work so in the case that you need to go go get something get some cash a couple couple hundred bucks should be it maybe a thousand Um, important documents Put them in a waterproof bag, birth certificate, social security, Uh, anything to do with ownership of the house, insurance, car, stuff like that. just like that, I'm not sure if the microphone picked it up, but I am hearing some thunder, which we knew it was going to rain today. Just didn't think it was going to be this early, by the way. It is, uh, let's see, it is 1.45 here on Monday. Um, Here we go. If you have a grill, get charcoal or propane, or in this case get a a portable stove with uh, butane fuel so you can cook. If you have that luxury, go ahead and get that. So that you can still, if you have stuff in the refrigerator, you can go ahead and still cook outside. Or like I said, if it's inside, you can use a uh, a portable stove with butane fuel and go ahead and cook there. And just make sure there's nothing else around it. And obviously, if you're gonna be grilling, please grill outside. Don't ever, don't ever grill inside or in the patio. Go as far, far away from the house as possible. Um, have a safe room. Have a safe room to go to when all hell breaks loose. There's gonna be bathroom. Walk-in closet, basement, pretty much any, any room that does not have a window. Because you never know what these, with the winds coming in as fast as they are. You never know what kind of debris may be picked up. And let's say it goes through, the, goes through the window. You do not want to be anywhere near that. Also, wear shoes. Or in this case, get boots. Don't ever go out there barefoot or with socks on. Just don't. And then last thing, be smart. We all want to see the storm. We all want to see the damage. Just do me a favor. Let the proper authorities go ahead, make their rounds, and make sure that the roads and the traffic signals are good before going out and venturing. And then, listen, if you guys have any other questions when it comes to hurricane or storm preparedness, just reach out to me. Or, like I said, just listen to your trusted media source, and uh, they will guide you in the right direction. When we come back, we are going to go ahead and wrap this puppy up. This has been the philosophy sessions podcast with Phil Washington. We'll be right back after this quick word. All right. We're back with philosophy sessions podcast with Phil Washington. We are about to wrap this puppy up. Um, Guys, thank you for listening, man. This is almost—I uh, think we almost went an hour. I did not think it was going to be this long, but you know, since I haven't given you guys this this much content in a while, so I figured it would be very beneficial for each and every one of you, especially in those that are in hurricane-prone uh, areas around the country. Like I said, anywhere, anywhere along the Gulf Coast, Texas. God knows Louisiana. I don't know how many times Louisiana gets hit. They are Louisiana hasn't been the same since Katrina in two thousand five. Man, what a storm that was. Uh, Mississippi can't forget about you guys. Alabama, Mobile, uh, Florida Panhandle. You guys have been hit quite a few times. We've been hit. Uh, we got hit twice last year, one, two, three, four, five, what, four, five times over the last five, six years. So, you know, and looking at it, 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 it could be another, it could be another situation where um, we could have another active hurricane season here in the Florida Peninsula. But after looking at long range forecasts, it does have east central florida west coast of florida the carolinas and i even think um somewhere up in the northeast i want to say maybe like like maryland maryland delaware new jersey the whole mid-atlantic needs to be on guard just in case obviously if anything if anything hits the southeast uh more than likely it will travel up the southeast, go up the mid-Atlantic and either out into the Canadian Maritimes or uh, out to sea, so. You hope for the best, but you also prepare for the worst. Your positive quote for this session it's going to come to you from Arthur Rubinstein. Very simple. He says, quote, I have found that if you love life, life will love you back. I'll say it again. I have found that if you love life, life will love you back. And as I always end... My podcast, you are loved, you have value, you are worth it. My name is Phil Washington, I am your host of the Philosophy Sessions podcast, and wherever you reach me from, Apple, Amazon, Spotify, I thank you so much for your time. Stay blessed. God bless you and your families. With all that, I say this. Thank you for listening. Class dismissed. I'll see y'all later. The views and opinions expressed by the Philosophy Sessions podcast with Phil Washington are those of the authors and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the Philosophy Sessions podcast. Any content provided by authors or content creators are of their opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual or anyone or anything. Thank you.